following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. There's a single word that I'd like you to keep in your minds as we go through our lesson today, and it's the word start. Some people might like the word begin, but it's about the same thing. It's just don't just sit there. Now that we are introduced to so many amazing things from God's Word, now let's get out there because God is all about action. He's not just about being still. He's not just about us soaking in stuff. But He really is all about action. If we have our faith that's genuine, then we're going to do something about the things that we believe in so strongly from the Word of God. Uh, The Boy Scouts uh, have that amazing motto, Be Prepared. So it's a matter of learning. Obviously, we got to do that. But in the process, we're always going to be looking for that opportunity to make that training activate itself. Uh, I want to thank you for last weekend. You guys were praying for the city of San Francisco. Iron Sharpens Iron is an amazing men's ministry that's just exploding nationally. It grew out of uh, New England, of all places. And uh, the God has just done a powerful thing through a, a young man named Brian Doyle, who had this vision for men's ministry. He tried to come up with a template that would be attractive to men, so it's just a one-day conference. You don't have to worry about overnight. It's only on Saturday, and they start on time, and they almost always end early. So that kind of concept really appeals to men. And they do something very simple. They have just two speakers come in from wherever, and then they have a bunch of people do these breakout sessions where there's a lot of high levels of interaction. So I had the privilege of being one of the two speakers, and they brought me in here from Houston, and um, I was second on the docket, so they had the other speaker up there first. I was going to follow him with a, with a plenary session where I was going to teach the guys, and I was just really enjoying the opportunity now to picture and capture his heart. And so as he spoke, I, I, I heard his introduction, and I heard how he was going to engage the guys, and then he told us to open up to Joshua 1. Now, I don't know if that starts uh, the wheel spinning in your mind, but that's exactly what I was going to speak on. So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this. Here I am going to a national conference, preparing for a ministry, and I've been praying about it, thinking about it, working on it, sent all my information in advance, and the organization team, uh, they forgot just one thing. They didn't didn't tell the other speaker uh, what the other guy was going to speak on. But since he was first, I couldn't just stand up and say, oh, wait a minute, I, I object. <laughs> so you've got one hour as he speaks to change everything. So it's one of those kinds of issues where if you don't know the Word of God, Bruce, you're really sunk. You might as well pack up and walk out of here and go home. But it's one of those other responsibilities that you realize God has brought you here for a reason. So since he was doing Joshua 1, I was thinking to myself, well, I guess i got to change it. Might as well change it to what I just spoke on here at Warrior's Heart, Joshua 2. So you're thinking to yourself, how in the world do I speak about Joshua 2 Rahab to a bunch of men? Well, hey, we just did that last week. So the phenomenal thing was how God knew this in advance, and all I had to do was to reduce the panic level and get into a situation now where I can honor the Lord. If God is the God that we're studying about, He can actually work not only through Joshua and Rahab, He can work through us. It is about activity. It's one of those great lessons I learned long ago that whenever you run into a problem, there's just three A's. You've got to affirm 
God's calling for you to be there for one reason or another, no matter whether it's planned or unplanned, spontaneous or something that we've been preparing for, if we affirm in our spirit that God has called us to be there, that's something that's going to help us go through the difficulties that are now facing us right in our eyes. Once we affirm our calling, then we assess the situation. What in the world do I have as options? What in the world do I do? So then you figure out what in the world your options are and all your resources, and then you start to put them into place. And then the last thing as far as the three A's is then you attack. You go for it. You don't sit there and thinking, well, um, yeah, okay, what do we do now? No one likes a lack of confidence in someone who's supposed to be there to charge, lead the charge. No one. If we have the responsibility to lead the charge, people around us respond, and they are attracted to confidence and certainty. So all of us here as men, it may not be leading the charge in front of a bunch of people. It might just be a handful of individuals. It doesn't really matter. Because we know that leadership is nothing more than impact. It is nothing more than influence. It's never about the numbers. It's always about the impression or the impact that we leave in the lives of other people. How God uses us to help influence the lives of other people. Affirm the calling, assess the situation, and attack the situation with confidence. One of the amazing things is the people who planned Iron Chopper and Zion, they came to San Francisco last year in 2012 for the very first time ever in the history of the city. And, of course, they did all their homework, and they were scared spitless because San Francisco has a way of crushing anything that is spiritual, anything. It's a very, very difficult city to do ministry. So when they launched their conference last year, they had 176 men come in an auditorium that would seat 450. So an auditorium of 450 in San Francisco, that's a big deal because they only have parking for about 20 cars. So everybody else has to park in the streets. So every Sunday, they have a huge challenge. When we talk about parking problems here in Texas, I kind of chuckle in the background. You haven't been in San Francisco. So the amazing thing is, even though they had 176 men, which for San Francisco is pretty good, they were a little discouraged because they're used to packing out a place. All over this this country, when Iron Sharpens Iron comes to a city, they pack out a church and there's standing room only. This year they came back and they they prayed about it. They even thought about not coming back. But they came back and God blessed them with over 350 men. And I tell you, when you start to get that many men in the city of San Francisco, where the average church is only about 100 people, it is phenomenal when there are nothing but men in a room who stand up and sing praises to Jesus Christ and they are hungry to hear the word of God. And over 30 pastors came... And that was a huge blessing as well, to see these shepherds of the people of God coming and doing an amazing work faithfully and now finding each other, building friendships for the people who there are called by God to be shepherds and pastors, now building friendships to encourage each other during the very challenging times of pastoring and church in that amazing city. Well, when I look at a situation like this, I, I just called it up on Google Images and just said start. And I put the word begin. And some of the images that came up are wonderful. If you think about circumstances and situations before we start, if they always have to be ideal, it's not always going to be the best. But somehow life and growth 
spawn in the life of any one of us, if we begin, if we start, it's an amazing thing. Now, our desire here, again, is not just to make you guys smarter. We could do that if we wanted to, but that's, that's not where our heart passion is. All of us on the team here at Warrior's Heart, we have this one passion. We want you to be impacted by the Word of God so that your life is changed and because powerfully attractive and influential in the lives of people that you will meet today, you will meet this week, you will rub shoulders with during this next seven days. And we want the ministry of the Word of God to so change you that God continues to see movement in how He is using your life to touch the lives of other people. We don't wait for the right circumstances. We don't wait for just the perfect situation to begin. We start wherever we can in the lives of people around us. So when we think about beginning, I think that there's a wonderful picture that popped up here. Even though we might feel vulnerable, it is a beginning. Even though that there are situations here that we cannot do everything, it's not what we are doing in our minds, but instead how God has begun something with the life he's given us so that we can influence the lives of other people. Even a little baby, they may not be able to do much, but because they look so cute, they influence the lives of people around them. It's not that we've got to go out of here looking cute. But when the people watch our lives, they find something powerfully attractive because we have this amazing relationship way beyond what the eye can see. But people can sense there's a confidence in us. There's a certainty in us. There are values in us that we hold dearly. And because of the things that are happening in our spirit, it manifests itself in how people see us. So we all get excited about starting something. As they say in that ancient proverb, every great journey begins with the first step. You like that proverb? You like that adage? If it sounds good and you like it, then it's a Chinese proverb. If you don't like it, we'll give it to some other country. But it's an amazing proverb for life. Every great journey begins with the first step. It's all about action. It's all about making sure that we have affirmed our calling. It's all about assessing the situation. But when it comes time to take that first step, we will do it. And I suppose if there's a picture ever in the minds of all of us about first step, it's the one that's on the moon. And the first step is emblazoned in our mind because of this amazing picture. Well, I want you to think about getting started. I want you to think about beginning. I want you to think about what God wants me to do with my life now that I'm going to be introduced to this amazing chapter in Joshua chapter 3. So in Joshua chapter 3, this is what the scripture says to begin the first four verses. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there. If uh, you want to scroll down on your uh, smartphone, that's fine. Or if you want to look up here on the screen, that's great. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. We pay attention to all these things about timing. God is not about wasting time. He's not just about putting words on on a page. He's really interested that we see the precision in the actions and how things unfold. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before, 
but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Now, all this in four verses is pretty stunning. But let's break it down and see what in the world God seems to be trying to emphasize for us. First of all, we notice here that God has a nation of Israel camped by the edge of the river Jordan for three days. And he tells them, when you're there after three days, something's going to happen. Now we ask ourselves the question, why in the world does God want the nation of Israel to camp there for three days? Well, obviously the first thing we think about is three days. And obviously we think about three days from the standpoint of us being post-New Testament. And in the New Testament we see Jesus Christ resurrected after three days. And the three days in between his crucifixion and his resurrection, phenomenal morning. Nothing was going on that was much at all good. So we don't necessarily have to push that all in here, but it certainly tickles our mind. So if we think about the nation of Israel, two and a half million people, by the way, moving from their camp not that far to the edge of the River Jordan during flood stage. Today, if you go over to the River Jordan over in the Holy Land, and you see the Jordan River, everyone's excited to see it. It's pretty unimpressive. Because most of the time we go over there when it's not during the rainy season. We go over there during spring and summer when the weather's a lot nicer. And the Jordan River is, oh, you, some parts you can jump across it. Other parts you could swim across it pretty easily. It's not that big. It's not that impressive. And the water is usually pretty dirty. But during flood stage, during this time of, the, of, of, of human history, The Jordan River could be almost a half a mile to a mile wide. It was a very formidable barrier for anyone to consider crossing. That's why during times of war, anybody in the city of Jericho, they relaxed during the winter. During flood stage, they didn't worry about any enemies coming from the other side of the Jordan River because they couldn't get across it. So they never worried militarily during that time. It was just an impossibility for anyone to get across So the nation of Israel is right there by the river, and they're thinking to themselves, man, oh man, look at this huge river. How in the world are we ever going to obey the Lord and do what he wants with this natural barrier stopping our progress? I am almost certain that God wants the nation of Israel to realize the human impossibility to fulfill the calling that God has given the nation. And so they're thinking about it three ways, for three days. Man, do we build a raft? Do we call up the Army Corps of Engineers and have them put a pontoon bridge? Do we somehow get the helicopters to come in and drop a floating bridge? How in the world do we get across this thing? The impossibilities and the limits of our human ability to overcome what stops us from doing what God wants us to do. Gentlemen, undoubtedly there are a number of us who are sitting here and are thinking, I know God wants me to influence the lives of other, of, of other people. In fact, he's put a name or two or three or four on my mind. But how in the world do I break in? How in the world do I get into that life when they've got barriers up? They've got suspicions. They've got biases. How in the world, God, do I break into that life and influence them for eternity? We are like that. We're guys. We're thinking about what can't be done. And yet God has called us. We've affirmed that calling. We're assessing the situation. In our assessment, we see no options. That's what God seems to be doing for two and a half million people. One of the phenomenal things about this whole process is that God wants them to make sure that when time comes for action, 
that their focus is not on the river. But their eyes, he wants them to look and see the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is not that big a deal. I mean, it's uh, three feet wide, long and maybe two feet high. It's, it's a small box. Size-wise, it's not all that impressive. But of course, uh, with all the gold on it, and the amazing presence of the statues of the cherubim with their, their, their wings folded over, over the top of the box, which is what we call the, the mercy seat, the most important part of the Ark of the Covenant is not the size, it's not the materials, it's not the appearance, but the fact that this represents the place where God's presence meets the nation of Israel. It is the presence of God that is the most impressive part of the Ark of the Covenant. So God says to the nation of Israel through Joshua, when it comes time now for action, based upon the affirmation of your call, now that you assess the situation that no human solution is possible, now look for my presence among you to overcome all natural obstacles. Don't get close. It's not about touching it. It's not about good luck charms. It's not about rubbing a rabbit's foot. It's all about my presence among you. So look when the Ark of the Covenant comes and watch it and don't keep your eyes off of it. Now there's a little bit of a challenge here because a thousand yards is about a half a mile, roughly. And if you can imagine being a half a mile away from a box that's three feet by two feet, that's not an easy thing to keep an eye on. If we're sitting here and and a box that's three feet by two feet is on the other side of Interstate 10... That's about what we got to do. Now, it's not just us right at the edge of a 1,000 feet and a half mile away is this box. But you've got two and a half million other people who are trying to keep an eye on that box. Now, if you think about two and a half million people, how in the world do you, do you even get close enough to even see that thing? No binoculars yet. So people are trying to see these priests carrying this ark representing the presence of Almighty God. Now, if this doesn't look like an, an absolutely bizarre situation, you've got to go back and reread Joshua 3 and try to imagine the reality of the situation that's here, but also the capacity that God is working in the hearts of people. When God wants to perform a miracle to demonstrate His presence in our life, remember how much God does here to create the capacity to realize what cannot be done by our own human ability. When we realize our incapacity to do what God has called us to do, then watch what only God can accomplish. When we look at the situation that is faced here in these three days to see the ark and to follow it, it is a phenomenal representation of God's dealing in the life of the nation of Israel. Just an amazing passage of scripture to meditate upon. The next section of scripture that we have here is verses 5 through 8, and this is what the Bible says, Joshua 3, 5 through 8. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That is a promise. Joshua said to the priests, this is their leader, this is the one who's been called, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. Make this parade very visible. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Notice their obedience to God's leader. And the Lord said to Joshua, I love this part of the scripture. This is the purpose of the miracle. Not just so they can have a 
a, a solution to a problem. Not just so they could see what God could do. But there's a purpose for this miracle of what God is going to be doing. And here's that purpose. Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now we uh, take this apart. It's, it is an amazing phenomenon because the whole purpose of this that God is doing is to establish something. It's to establish a sense of loyalty to who Joshua is as God's appointed leader. It's this whole idea that he wants the nation of Israel to realize now we have a spiritual responsibility to deal with the challenge at hand because we cannot accomplish this humanly. So it is a spiritual issue. After three days of seeing any possibilities of a human solution, they are absolutely helpless. So now it becomes a focus for spirituality. He says here, the Lord said to Joshua, I will exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with, I am with you as I was with Moses. Now, I'm, I'm new to Texas, as you know. I just moved here last year in June. And one of the things about Texas, uh, from a California perspective, is the Western motif that pervades everything. It's, it's, it's how you say, praise the Lord, uh, in, in situations where you have this this howdy, yeah, praise the Lord, praise God, howdy. And uh, there's something about being cowboys here that is really intriguing to me. And um, I, I uh, was on the internet and I was I was reading this thing about cowboy ethics. I don't know if you've ever seen this cowboy ethics, but it's actually a part of Wyoming law. The the governor of Wyoming actually uh, put this into to state law up there, and um, I am I am intrigued by the uh, ethics of uh, the West. And uh, if you've never heard the cowboy ethics, or if you like them and you, you want me to read them, I will do that right now, because I'm so intrigued by it. Now, what, what in the world a, a cowboy believes? Leave each day with courage. Take pride in your work. Always finish what you start. Do what has to be done. Be tough but fair. When you make a promise, keep it. Ride for the brand. Talk less, say more. Remember that some things are not for sale. Know where to draw the line. Now, to me, that list of ethics is amazing. But there's nothing redemptive about it, if you've ever noticed that. But now that we are individuals who are redeemed on the other side of the cross, if we look at the cowboy ethics and realize, wow, that's just human. That's the best of human virtue. Because they're created in the image of God. Now, what would happen if a bunch of men who are redeemed through Jesus Christ would take that same list of ethics and put the power of Spirit of God behind it? Well, one of the things about the uh, cowboy uh, ethics that really intrigues me is, is the one that's called writing for the brand. I mean, as a Californian, I don't know what in the world that's all about. And uh, so I'm thinking, well, brand, that's like Frito-Lay, that's a brand. What on the world? Well, there, there's a sense here where this business of writing for the brand is, um, is pretty special. And I, I looked this up, and this is what I found about writing for the brand. The brand was a ranch's trademark and represents pride, duty, 
and stewardship while inspiring loyalty, dedication, and cowboy camaraderie. When you rode for the brand, it meant you had signed on to the mission, that you had committed, that you were a dedicated team player. If you weren't, then you had no business being on the ranch's payroll. There is a poem called Writing for the Brand by Paul Harwitz that expresses a lot of the values of responsibility, well-earned pride, trust, community, integrity, and teamwork that most Americans hold dear and that are the foundation of our success as individuals and as a country. I would suggest that any individual or organization that follows these values will succeed far beyond the norm. Here is an excerpt from that song. It means that you don't just work for a buck, but because you need work like waters need, needed by a tree. It means you can be trusted and that you trust each part to do the chores that are needed, no matter how hard, because you're all riding for the same outfit and you're all striving together to benefit it. It means you keep searching for that one last stray, even though it's at the end of the day. Even though that you'd rather stop and go to town, it means you don't lay your responsibility down. It means you give an honest day's work for an honest day's wage. Whether you're in the corral or out riding the range, every job's important and there ain't none that ain't. It's not the cowboy way to quit, though. It'd be easier to say, I can't. It means you'll not complain when you help dig a well, nor even have to be asked to spell a tired cowpoke who stove up. It means you'll work with others as well as you'll work alone, and that even when you're tired to the bone, you'll always cowboy up. That's what it means, that and a whole lot more. It means that you've got pride in yourself, your job, and the land. Now, gentlemen, we are here as part of the community that's been redeemed by Jesus Christ, so what we do lasts for eternity. We're, gonna, we're, we're not going to let the unredeemed outlive us and outwork us, are we? If the unredeemed can come up with that, then when we go to work and our bosses watch us work, we ought to just absolutely blow their socks off with our performance. If we are the boss, then all the people that work for us ought to be absolutely stunned for the privilege they have to work for a guy who's so far behind all of them in support and encouragement and cheering them on that they are absolutely stunned to tell other people who they work for. And then when we as individuals take this amazing ethic and say to ourselves, we want to leave an impression not about us, but about what Jesus Christ has done for us. So when that chance comes, we can influence their eternity because of the way we've lived our lives and earned the opportunity to begin a dialogue with their lives so our soul that has been redeemed can speak to their soul that is deeply hurting without Jesus Christ. When we get together in our table talk here in a few moments, it's all about people. We want to see how we can influence the lives of people. And those names and those people ought to be on the forefront of your mind. When you get around to writing something down, Write down how God wants you to live your lives differently because of the things that we have learned today from Joshua 3. And just in a little note, maybe you can just put down the initials of a person or three people or four people 
just write down the initials of people that you know that God has placed on your heart. And ask that God would take your life in such a way that you can influence them by what they see in you. So when that moment of pressure and crisis comes, they will seek us out and we can come alongside them and show them the answers from eternity. The last part here of Joshua chapter 3. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. You like that combination? Every time we see the Old Testament, powerful, right? Lord, Jehovah, Je- uh, uh, Yahweh, the God who makes promises and keeps them. The word God, the God who creates out of nothing. The God who can promise and always keeps his promise is linked with a God who could do anything, even create out of nothing. That is a powerful representation of when we call upon God for ourselves. This is how you will know with certainty that the living God is among you. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Watch the miracle that is about to take place. We don't have that advantage, obviously. But boy, can we point to a miracle that people can already see in history. And that is a Christ who died on the cross and who rose again. When we think about celebrate, it climaxes with that amazing resurrection. So we don't have to figure out, man, how can I tell people a miracle is coming so they can see that my words, well, it's not about us. It's all about Almighty God and a miracle that's greater than even the Jordan River drying up. It's what Jesus Christ did when he rose again from the dead. The amazing purpose of the miracle, Joshua tells the nation of Israel to come. Come and listen to the words of the Lord. It's not about the words of Joshua, but the words of the Lord. This is how you will know that amazing certainty. So gentlemen, as you go to your table talk, I'd like you to think about the possibilities of how in the world you can turn your attention to these amazing lessons. Enjoy your time as you engage one another and think again. Write down how your life will change. Write down a few initials, maybe just one, maybe a few, But it's amazing when we men actually write something down, the chances of us trying to actually do it increase dramatically. Have a great discussion. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Center of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day.